In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. I'm so proud of all of you. I mean, the Jags are playing right now, and you're here in church. What's the score? No, no. <laughs> it was a trick question. That way I would know who's... If I get an hallelujah during the sermon, I'll know. Or an, oh, man. So this week I was looking at the uh, scripture passage. I was surprised to look back in my records and uh, find that in 16 years of ordained ministry, I have never preached on Zacchaeus, the wee little man in the sycamore tree. So today, the street continues. <laughs> We're going to be looking at 2 Thessalonians We can learn a lot from old Zacchaeus and his dramatic change of heart, but my heart has been drawn to the epistle reading because these are the words of a pastor who is beaming about this Thessalonian congregation. He's just beaming about them. And we know from the book of Acts, if we were going to go back, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts, Uh, We know from that uh, historical narrative that St. Paul uh, arrived in the very large and bustling Greek port town of Thessalonica to share with the residents there the good news of Jesus Christ. We also see in Acts that he was only there for a few weeks because his preaching caused riots in Thessalonica, which really is every preacher's dream uh, that... People are paying attention. Um, but, you know, what, what, um, what happened was that Paul had to flee for his life. And so he went to a nearby town called Berea. But the gospel message that he had proclaimed took hold in the hearts of a few Thessalonians. And over time, uh, word got out and it spread and, and the church there grew. And now it's three or four years later Paul is further south. He is in the the city of Corinth. And and he has heard about the growth of the Thessalonian church. He's heard about the growth in in their faith and, and their growth in numbers. And he is just overjoyed. He's thrilled. Not he's not proud of his own work. He's just so thankful to God that the Holy Spirit would capture the hearts of those people and create a vibrant Christian community of faith. And so you can see, I think, I hope you can see why I would relate to this passage because I too am so thankful to God that the Holy Spirit would capture your hearts. That the Holy Spirit would create here at Church of Our Savior a vibrant community of faith. That's what we say in our vision, that we want to be a beacon of Christian vitality uh, to Mandarin in St. John's County and, and also to the Diocese of Florida. And you know, for us, uh, in just a couple of weeks, we'll have Stewardship Sunday, and, and I don't mind talking about money. In fact, I don't mind asking for money. But the truth is, is that what we give to the church is really about partnering with what God is giving to the church. And, and so in that sense, our stewardship is a reflection of the faith that we have, of the community that we have, of the sense of 
purpose that we have, of the joy that we have when we gather together and when we serve together. And so I want to talk about that uh, this morning. Paul is beaming about the Thessalonians because of all the fruit of God's work among them, of the, the faith and the community, and I can relate because I just feel the same way about all of you. Sometimes I would marvel, really just marvel, at what God is doing in this place. Uh, we, we got lots of things to work on, don't get me wrong. We got a lot of new faces. We got kids just filling up kids' word. We got uh, Bible studies that are overflowing. We probably just need to start more. We, we got people signing up to serve in different ways. It's exciting. So I feel like I know what Paul means when he says he thanks God for how their faith is growing abundantly and how their love for each other is increasing. I know what he means because I can see your faith growing abundantly and, and I can see your relationships with one another flourishing. I see how despite what life throws at you, you work hard to keep the main thing the main thing. You work earnestly and, and consciously to let your faith in Jesus be the filter through which you live your lives. And I see how you pray each other through illnesses and through grief and through difficult family situations. And I see how uh, so many of you just really want to know the Word of God and to follow Jesus as your Lord. And how you want to love your neighbors and how you really work to love those who are hard to love. And I see so many friendships in this place that are deep and long-lasting for many years. But I also see many cases in which people who are relatively new have made good friends here and have, have gotten involved. I see meals being shared and, and calls being made and prayers being offered. And there's joy and there's love and there's worship and there's welcome in this place because Jesus is in this place. And that means a lot of things. But one of the things it means is that if you come in here this morning and your faith is shaky, I mean, you're in one of those, you just find yourself, like we always do, all do sometimes, you find yourself in one of those deep, dark valleys of life and God seems far away. Or if you've come in here and you're feeling alone like nobody else can relate to what's going on, I want to say that you have come to the right place. You've come to the right place. Because you're going to hear about how God understands suffering and he because he suffered and he died himself he understands abuse and, and he understands betrayal and he understands injustice and disappointment and difficulty and he understands it because he's because he suffered it but he also died for it and he took every sin that we have committed and he took every sin that has been committed against us and he took it all upon himself on the cross and he died for all of it. And he said, it is finished. And all of it died with him. He died to forgive it and he rose to defeat it and to offer himself to you in newness of life. So if you need to hear that God loves you, if you need to hear that God offers you His grace and His mercy, you come to the right place. And if you need a family of faith who know what it's like to cling to that grace and that mercy in a time of need, then you've come to the right place. 
community of, whose faith in a great and gracious God is growing abundantly and whose love for one another is increasing. It's exciting. But you know, Paul, as, as enthusiastic as he is about the Thessalonians, he doesn't just kind of give them a high five and say they're, they're done, does he? Because that would be, you know, a short letter. But um, he tells them specifically what he's praying for. What he's praying for for them. And he, you know, because the church is always a work in progress. And I mean, we might have some great stuff going on, but, but as long as there's still people out there who need to hear about Jesus and who need to be served in the name of Jesus, and as long as there's people in here who need to grow in their relationship with Jesus and work out their own messes with the help of Jesus, then we're still a work in progress till Jesus comes back. And Paul knows that. And so he's praying for the Thessalonian church. And he says the first thing that he's praying for is that God would make them worthy of his call. God would make them worthy of his call my first church in uh it was outside of charleston south carolina i can remember a, a guy there his name was bruce and he told me that he he stayed away from the church for a long time because he hadn't felt worthy he hadn't felt worthy he had done some things that he had been ashamed of. You know, he just carried that guilt around with him. And it sort of defined, and at least religiously, he was good at his job and had happy kids and stuff and happy wife for the most part. Uh, but that was, had something to do with, with what was going on. And, and, and he just figured that if uh, he'd blown it, then God wouldn't want him around. And you can probably see that he just didn't want himself around, right? He was projecting that guilt onto God, but he figured that God probably felt about him the way he felt about himself. He didn't feel worthy. You might know somebody who feels that way. Somewhere along the way, and I don't remember the story of how it happened, but Bruce realized that he did not... Uh, that he didn't have to bring a clean slate in order to come to God, but he came to God in order to hear that he'd already been given a clean slate. That, that, and he, he finally understood it, clicked, that everybody else in the church had blown it too. And that's why they were there. To hear over and over again that God was a God of mercy and forgiveness and grace and comfort. That it was a hospital for sinners and broken people, not a museum for people who had it all together. And Paul is praying God would make them worthy of the call. See, we don't make ourselves worthy of God's calling. We receive God's declaration of worthiness, which is given to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's called grace. We're not worthy on our own. We're worthy because God says we're worthy. And Paul is praying that God would continually give the Thessalonians the grace to receive that worthiness. Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes we hear it, but we wander away from it. We mess up again. Sometimes we mess up big. And, you know, like, we just we start carrying that guilt around, that shame, and we, and we, uh, we think, well, I, I don't know that God could forgive me again. And so we want to have the grace to receive that worthiness again and again and to walk in that worthiness 
to make choices according to that worthiness, to live into what has already been eternally made true about us through the blood of Christ. Bruce discovered that he was worthy, not because the things he had done weren't a big deal, because, of course, they were a big deal. But he was worthy because God said he was worthy. God died to make him worthy. And he needed the church community to help him continually receive that message of grace. And he needed that church community to help him live according to that grace. And living according to that declaration of worthiness is actually the second thing, the other thing that Paul is praying for these Thessalonians. He says that God would fulfill by his power every good resolve and work of faith. That's kind of a clunky translation. So here's another one that I like better. God is praying, I mean, that Paul is praying that God will, by his power, fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith. And what does that mean? I'll give you an example. You, eat, pretty much most of you here have a car. And that car is designed to go. It's got all the parts, it's got the wheels, it's got the transmission, it's got the, and some of you have like nice bells and whistles and, and, you know, like leather seats and cool stuff. You know, like some of you have great things. But if that car doesn't have gas in it, or a ch charge in it, my analogy is going to run out eventually, but if it doesn't have gas in it, then it, can't, it doesn't matter what you have, you can't go. It can't do what it was intended to do. It can't do what it wants to do. It wants to go, but it can't go if it doesn't have gas in it. And we're all the same way. Like Bruce, my friend, he was, he was a, his engine was remade, wasn't it? Like he realized he was worthy, but he needed the gas. He needed, he needed the Holy Spirit to keep him going, and we're all the same way. See, God creates in us the resolve to do his will, the desire to, do, uh, to live according to what is already true about us, that, that we want to live according to the call, but, but the Holy Spirit is what gives us the power to say yes to that call, to yes to those resolves. And so we want to be a community that, that offers you that chance to interact. And I don't mean it's not, not woo-woo and hocus-pocus and stuff about the Holy Spirit. Like he's just here. That's how, we, that's how we're moving. That's how all these great things are happening here. And so it's really exciting to see how God is moving among us and see uh, that Sunday school uh, for the kids and the youth is gaining so much traction and to, to hear about Meals on Wheels and these people who are getting food every day of the week because you're willing to give it to them. To hear about the, the teachers who are so encouraged at Crown Point Elementary School and the kids who are learning to read because you're helping them, showing up and teaching them and encouraging them. It's so exciting to see a, a lawn full of visitors and guests who are enjoying good music and good food at the food truck events. It's exciting on, on most Sundays to see the choir and the choral scholars and it's exciting to see you receiving prayer during communion in the back and to know, do you know that every Thursday at 10 o'clock, there's a group of us that meets for prayer? I know not everybody can do 10 o'clock on a Thursday, but if you can, we'd love to have you. And we just take an hour and we pray for the church and for the world around us. And I would say that's the, that's the fuel. 
for all that's going on. We had a huge team of folks doing Habajacks a couple of weekends ago. It's just exciting. We have a, a ministry coordinator who's helping us get people signed up and get people on board. And, and, and it's just so exciting to see God working among this church. And I am so grateful, like Paul, to see your faith growing abundantly and to see your love for one another increasing. And my prayer for you is his prayer for them. That God would continue to give you the grace that, uh, to receive that declaration of worthiness. He would continue to make you worthy. And that he would give you the grace to live according to that worthiness. Because that's his will. And that's what he desires. And for that we give thanks. Amen.